Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We're going to be kicking off a new series that the title talks about one of my favorite things, and it's about backpacking. Any bike any backpackers out there today that, that will resonate with this? Today we're starting First and Second Peter, and if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up or turn it on your phone or wherever you read it. We're going to be looking at uh, First and Second Peter, and since it's a new series, we're going to start in chapter one, First Peter, chapter one. And as we look at the words of Peter, we realize that what we're looking at is we're really looking at a backpacker's handbook. Did you know that? This is a backpacker's handbook for following Christ. See, especially in the summertime, when I think about the summer coming, I get excited about backpacking. I love it so much that I even drag my kids on backpacking. Don't you know that kids love to be dragged along in your adventures together? And I even brought a picture of kind of one of our early hiking expeditions up there. If we can kind of put that up, this next slide. There's my backpacking crew right there. That was a few years ago, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, they, when they first started off backpacking, there was a little more dragging involved. They loved the snacks on the way. But as we got going, one of the things that I found, and maybe you've, you found this, is that when you're bringing new backpackers with you, sometimes you have to kind of wait for them a little bit. Have you ever heard anyone say, how much further? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But I found that over the years, the more that they went along with me, the more they kept going, they actually got stronger to where I was actually saying, hey, wait for me. Don't forget me. I'm carrying the snacks. Don't get too far ahead. To where it even became a race at times when they knew the destination that we're going to, and they ran ahead, and they got there. And, you know, Peter often had this same heart. Peter had a heart for adventure. Peter had a heart for going on the trail. And for those who have done a lot of trailing, they know that often the better the view, the more difficult that the path can be. Have you found that? When you want to get those big vistas, when you want to get up to that lookout tower, when you want to get to that waterfall, we know that the trail is often more difficult. And it's the same for us spiritually, isn't it? That often as the Lord leads us and he guides us and he strengthens us, a lot of times we need to recognize that the more difficult the trail is, often the better the reward is, the deeper the strengthening. See, Peter knew this. Peter was a Galilean. And first century historian Josephus, he even said this. He said that Galileans were prone to adventure. They were ever fond of innovation. And by nature, they were disposed to changes. And when you think about the life of Peter, this makes sense, doesn't it? Peter loved change. Peter was always the first one out there, the first one responding. He got in trouble a lot, but he was ready to go. He was ready to respond. And so now Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, having walked through this, having learned through this, listening to the Lord, he's written for us this guide, these guidelines that are God's holy word to show us how do we walk the trail of life? How do we follow Christ through the difficulty? And even specifically to the, the people that he's writing to, how do we follow God in a culture that disagrees with us? Have you ever had that happen? A culture that disagrees with you and often even dislikes you. I know it's hard to think of somebody disliking you, but there are times that people have disagreed with me and they've disliked me. I didn't hear any gasp in that. So, um, so you know what I'm talking about. And so Peter, he's speaking as, to us because he was experiencing the same thing and he's speaking to people. 
And here's what it says, 1 Peter chapter 1. He starts off by saying, This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners. One version says strangers in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and he chose you long ago and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. In verse 3, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And we now, we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire test and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through the many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Let's jump ahead to verse 13. Verse 13, Peter says, So, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy Because I am holy. Lord, we receive your word today, your holy word. Lord, I lift my hands to you, Lord, as a sign of I want to receive from you today. As you deliver this word, Lord, anoint me. Speak through me. Let nothing but your word and your heart come forward. We need your word today. We need your word so we receive it. Transform us and show us in the way that we should walk on this path. And everyone said together. Amen, amen. So Peter's instructing us now, and there's just three key things because we only got a little bit of time. Three key things I want to focus in on. And one of the key things that Peter uh, starts off is he talks about home. It's important as followers of Christ that we never forget where our home is. This is not our home. We may love it, we may like it at times, but this is not our home. So we need to always remember where our home is. And then Peter, he's also talking about it that as we're on the trail, there are two key things that we need that he's pointing out here. One is hope. Everyone say hope. How many of you want more hope today? Right? We need hope. So Peter said, on this trail, you need hope, but he also says you need holiness. Everyone say holiness. It's probably one of the few places you're ever going to say it. 
We need hope and need holiness. Don't forget where your home is. And as you're on this trail, we need hope and we need holiness. So let's start with home. We need to never forget where our home is. See, when we get lost, have you ever gotten lost before? When we get lost, we need to remember where home is. See, Peter starts off by recognizing that his audience is in exile. They're in exile. They are away from home. And when we look at the scripture, exile is not a new word. When you read the Old Testament, you see the old, that word exile quite a bit. But in the Old Testament, when it talks about exile, it's actually written in a way that is actually corrective to where the people are being punished for sins that they've done. They're being punished for what they've done. We see in the Old Testament that the children of God, they were evicted from their land by Assyria in 722 B.C. as well as Babylon in 586 B.C. But when we look at the New Testament, this word exile, we're not necessarily talking about this is a punishment for sin. See, being exiled, it wasn't even talking about how they were displaced from their homeland because in the New Testament in that time, being displaced from your homeland was a normal thing. This happens quite a bit. But what Peter's talking about and what the New Testament authors are talking about when they talk about exile, they're talking about people who are following Christ and they've been exiled because of their faith, because they're following Christ. This is why Peter, when he refers to Christians in this text, he refers to them as strangers. As strangers. Someone point to a strange person around you. Okay? Strangers. You're all pointing this way. Peter refers to Christians as strangers. As God's people, we are pilgrims We're often called sojourners and exiles here on earth. Now why is that? Because our faith, as one commentator puts it, it is off-putting and strange to those around you. See, what we believe to a lot of people, it's actually off-putting. It can be offensive at times, and it seems strange. So we're often exiled. We're often seen as strangers. But this is a challenge for everybody. This is a challenge especially for me. See, I like to be liked. How many, you're not afraid to say, you know, I like it when people like me. I don't walk in a room going, man, I can't wait to tick people off and just make some enemies. I like being liked. Other people saying, hey, come on over here. Eat with me. Drink some coffee with me. I want to be liked. I think we all want to be liked. And even here as a community, one of the things that we're all about is laugh but You're laughing before? Love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging is the word laugh that we created. See, we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to be in an atmosphere of forgiveness. We want a place to belong. Now, that acronym, we're talking about what Jesus gives to us as we surrender our life to him. But just as humans, God created us for this community to come together. See, that's why our community, whether it's Christian or not, it has this value of wanting to embrace, wanting to be accepting of all things. But we don't need to look very far to recognize that our culture that we are in, it struggles with this whole idea of accepting others. See, we try to embrace diversity, but we want to embrace diversity without embracing disagreement. We like diversity, we like accepting, but we don't like the disagreement that comes along with it. And I think we know this to be true. The more diverse a crowd, is there going to be any disagreement in that crowd? I would say this, even if everyone is like you, you're going to have disagreements. There are times that I've even disagreed with myself. How many of you have experienced that? You've disagreed with yourself. You've said something, you're like, I don't agree with that. Why did I say that for? 
where you've gone back and went, had to apologize for something. See, disagreement is part of the life that we're in. And yes, we want to accept, but this is part of it, and our culture struggles with that. They want the fruit that comes from it. They want that diversity, but there's going to be disagreement in it. See, this is why Jesus said, no one can please two masters, that as people, as humans, God made us to only please him. The one that we were made to please was God. We cannot please both people and God. This is why Jesus said in John 15, he said, look, if the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. A servant is not greater than a master. But then he reminds us, look, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. This is part of it. Now, as a follower of Christ, it's important for us to distinguish, are they persecuting me because I'm following Christ, or are they persecuting me because I'm just being a moron over here? I'm not following Christ. Because see, there are things sometimes that we do that sometimes we'll even say we're doing it in the name of Jesus, and Jesus is saying, I never told you to do that. That's not what I told you to do. But when we follow Christ, we're going to fall into that. We're going to fall into those times when we find ourselves being persecuted or it's strange or it's off-putting. This is why Peter's focusing on home because when we recognize that this is not our home, then things start to make sense. It's the old adage, right? You can't put a square peg in a round hole. Have you heard of that before? Have you ever tried to make a square peg fit in a round hole? Any homeowners around here? Any handymen around? Handy women around? Right? I've even seen people try to take a square peg and try to shave it down and try to make it fit and, and beat it into place. That's a very painful thing. Maybe someone's tried to do that to you. I've had people try to make me be something that I just can't be. Have you been there? It's painful. This is not the way God set us up. God never drilled any of those round holes up there. See, we need to recognize this is not our home, and no matter what how much we do, we're, we need to walk honorably and humbly and loving our neighbor and inviting people into the love of Christ, but we need to recognize that it's just not going to fit. Because see, if we don't recognize this, we may think, what's wrong with me? Everything else seems to be going so well for them. Why is everything going great over here? And sometimes you need to recognize you're just a square trying to fit in a round hole. See, we don't belong to this world. We belong to Jesus. This world is temporary. Yes, we're stewards of it. We take care of it. Take that recyclable cup and put it in the recycling container. Take care of things around you. But this is not our home. This is not our eternal home. Heaven is our home. This is why Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. That's our home. And while we're in this time, our time is to encourage and to love others and to share the love of Christ, to bring them along the way. But in order to do that in the path, there are two things that are needed. Remember those two things? We need what? We need hope and holiness. What do we need? We need hope and we need holiness. We need hope. See, hope, when we think about hope, sometimes people think that hope is about wishful thinking. Like maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. And you're like that little kid blowing the dandelion, right? Did you ever make, make, make a wish before you did that? Man, when I saw those dandelions as, as, as a kid, it was almost like a birthday cake. We would kind of snatch them all up, and we would blow them and make these wishes. This is not what the hope that Peter's talking about. It is not wishful thinking. He's talking about something that is solid, that is dependable, something that is guaranteed. This is why he says in verse 13, he says, Look, prepare your minds. 
Prepare your minds. That word prepare talks about an action. It talks about an investment that we all need to make. See, there is work involved that comes along with hope. See, hope requires that disciplined thinking, that thinking in a new way that does not happen automatically. It requires effort. It requires concentration. It requires an intentionality. This is the hope that Peter's talking about. See, preparation is so important because whatever we place our hope in, it will determine how we succeed, how well we do. When you look at the Old Testament word for hope, it's this word that talks about weaving things together in like a rope that you can hold on to. And I love that illustration. But we know that if you're weaving the wrong things in there, is that rope going to hold? No, it's not going to hold. You know, I remember like those old paper chains. Have you seen those paper chains they put together? How would you like to be hanging off a cliff and someone threw a paper chain over the cliff to you and said, hold on. I put my best scotch tape in that thing. It's going to hold you. We know better than that. But so many times how we live our life is based on that. We see a chain coming over. It looks pretty. It's colorful. It's got good tape on it. And we grab a hold only for it to fail. See, we're all looking for hope. Everyone's looking for hope. But Peter's saying we need to be careful what we place our hope in. Because hope that is misplaced, it will break. It'll break you and it'll break everyone that's holding on to you and everyone will fall together. There are people around us. And I think a lot of times we often lose hope because we've reached out and we've tried to weave together the strong, thinking of the strong things, but we took the weak things that can't sustain the circumstances that we're in. And then when it breaks, then we lose hope. We say, what happened? See, having the right rope, having the strong hope, having our hope placed in Jesus Christ, the one who made us and redeemed us and is ever working on our behalf, when we hold on to that, he will not fail. That's the rope that we need to be holding on to. See, this is the kind of rope that, hope that Peter is talking about. And Peter is even leaning more into the motivation of it. Because when we lead into the Greek word of it, it means it's joyful and it's that confident expectation of eternal salvation. See, sometimes the circumstances that we are in can cause us to be paralyzed, doesn't it? We're in this situation. We've lost hope. We become paralyzed. We're like, there's no way through. And Peter's saying you need hope because hope will empower you to move forward. Hope is that catalyst that comes in, knowing who Jesus is, knowing his work that is available to us in our life as we surrender to him. That is the hope that moves us forward. That's the hope that we need to hold on to. And sometimes we reach out and we grab onto anything or we see somebody who's not following Christ holding onto this hope and it seems to be going good for a while until we watch YouTube later and we see what happened. We need to make sure that we're holding on to nothing but Jesus Christ. This is our hope. This is the steady. And when things don't, be, don't seem to be going well, when we know we're holding on to Jesus, we know it's going to work. Whatever is happening, I'm with Jesus, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be difficult. It might be painful, but I'm not letting go. I'm holding on to Jesus the whole way through because he's going to get me there. Whatever that means, he's going to get me there. See, this is the hope Peter's talking about. If we only focus on our circumstances instead of looking for that rope that Jesus is throwing down to us, we will fail. I believe that Jesus is calling us to lift our eyes a little bit higher today as it relates to hope. Whatever situation you're in, he's saying, look up here. Don't look down here. What happened to Peter when Peter focused on the waves? He sunk. He sunk like a rock. But when he kept his eyes fixed on Jesus, 
He was walking on the waves because it wasn't about the waves. It wasn't about the storm. It was about what Jesus was doing in his life. Even though the storm is raging, even though we were expecting to be across the other side by now, Jesus is with me, and I'm going to walk on these waves, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. I'm going to hold on to this. This is the hope that we need to have alive inside of us. He's calling us to run the race. He's calling you to pursue the path. So don't give up. Remember, Peter's talking to people in exile, people that are being persecuted because they're following Christ. They're doing the right thing and they're being persecuted. He's saying, don't give up. Keep that hope alive in you. This is why scripture relates that a person who is without hope is actually without God. Because when God is alive inside of you and you hold on to it and it's manifested in you, there is a hope that will carry you forward in sickness and in health. Rich or poor, it's like your marriage vows. He will be there no matter what. That's why often a relationship is equated to a marriage. My marriage with Stephanie, in rich and poor, in sickness and health, all these things that we go through, we stay together, we hold on. Just because things aren't going well, I don't say, hey, Steph, I'm going to try something else and I'll come back later. Is that marriage going to work? Yes. <laughs> It won't work. It's not going to work. There have been songs written about that. Just because something seems like it's failing, because the bank account's low, or because the health is failing, you stay with it. You say, we're together in this. We're going to work this out. This is who Jesus is in us. We're the bride of Christ. Together, holding on. This is the hope. And what Peter's saying is that this type of hope, when this hope is alive in us, it brings us to the second thing that we need is holiness. See, this hope, it leads to holiness. Verse 13, it says, therefore, and if Pastor Bob was here, he'd be like, dun, 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 remember that? Therefore. All right, I got some, I love Pastor Bob. That's still in my mind every time I got trumpets going and eagles flying, Okay. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming as obedient children. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. What is Peter saying here? He's saying that that future hope that we have, it's motivating us for right now. That hope that we have, that eternal hope that we have, it's motivating us for right now, and it leads us in our presence. See, when we're filled with hope, our lives are different. We live for Christ, and we're excited about his return. That's why he's saying, set it. Just like a good fisherman, just set that hook. Hold on tight. Reel it in. Possess that hope that is available to you. Have you ever found anybody like that? Whatever situation they're in, man, the hope is set. And you look at their circumstances, and they're like, Jesus is with me. Do we still have struggles? Yes. I've got struggles. You have struggles. All God's children have got struggles. Just ask Bob, all right? We all have struggles. Being with Jesus, he he reminded us, look, they didn't like me. They're not going to like you. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. They killed me. Don't be surprised. But I'm with you. This is not all there is. Even in the struggle. And thinking about Peter, everything that he went through, 
He denied Christ three times after standing and saying, look, all those boneheads, they're all going to reject you, but not me. And he led the pack. Peter's now coming back 30 years removed from that and going, look, there's hope. There's hope for me. Here's what I've found. Here's what God's revealed to me. Here's what he's shown in me. It's that hope, and that hope, it leads to holiness. It leads to holiness. See, when Peter says, be holy because I am holy, he's talking about being prepared because he's echoing the words from back in Leviticus 18. These words, be holy because I'm holy, this is what God was doing in preparing his people as he rescued them from Egypt to prepare them now for this new walk, this new way, following God. God's people set apart, holy, consecrated to him. And he's saying, you need to be holy. I'm restoring you to the original plan. We're all made in the image of Christ, the Imago Dei. We're all his masterpiece. And he's saying, look, God is there to restore you. He's given you hope. He's alive in you. And he's restoring you, his holiness in you. This is who, who God is. This is what he's doing in us. So be holy as he is doing. Allow God to restore that in you. See, God is now, he's preparing us. He's preparing us for this new walk. We were all created to possess the presence of God in our lives. Never forget that. We were, we were standing around here during sound check this morning, and, and I was standing with, with a part, of our, our, part of our tech team, and, we're, and they were singing about the holiness of God, and, we're, and he, we're just standing there going, is your heart ever filled with wonder and awe for the holiness of who God is? And when you recognize how great God is, and to think that he wants to live inside of you, his presence, his spirit, his power. This is how we were made. But see, as it relates to holiness, we need to recognize that our bodies, they were made to be a temple of God. First Corinthians tells us that. But our holiness is not because of us, it's because of who is alive in us. And you know what God does when God moves into a place? He does the, the thing that you do when the first time you move into a place. What's the first thing you do when you move into a new place? Clean it out. You sweep it out. You get it clean. This is what God does in our lives. He's saying, you're my temple. I want to live in. I want to control for your good, to restore you to how I originally made you. But he cleans us out. And that's where the trust comes in. See, our only holiness is only through God. And God's not going to share it with some other ruler in your life because he's God. He doesn't have to. He loves you. He wants to be with you. But he's like, no, this is not a two-headed monster. This is God, God alone, ruling your life. As we surrender to him, submit to him, he's saying, look, I'll clean you out. Some things are going to be very quick and very easy because you are ready to say goodbye. But some things have set a deeper resonance in your life. And God's saying, we're going to work it out. This is going to take time. How many of you have things in your life that it's taken some time? It's taken some time. The, the Apostle Paul even said that he talked about the thorn that was in his side. That God was working out. A lot of this other stuff we're sweeping out, we're going out, but then there's this work that God's strengthening in us. But we need to remember that as it relates to the holiness of God. See, holiness is about removing our old nature and taking on the new nature of Christ. It's putting off the old. It's taking on that new. This is what it says in Ephesians 17. And I want to read this to you this morning. 
Ephesians 4, chapter 20 to 20, uh, verses 20 to 24, and this is from the message, and it is so powerful. Listen to this. Ephesians 4, 20, read from the message version. It says, you learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I mean everything, connected with that old way of life, it's, it has to go. It's rotten through and through, so get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. God is out to work his character in you. And as we, we read here in Ephesians, he's saying, get rid of it. It's rotting through and through. And so many times we have these things, they're rotting us, they're killing us, they're destroying us. And God starts to put a finger on it and say, are you ready to let go of it? And you're like, not yet. You hold on to it. And it continues to work and destroy pride, envy, lust, whatever it is. God is calling us and saying, are you ready just to surrender, to do whatever it takes, to listen to my voice? And when I speak, you say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. See, God is leading us in that path. He's preparing you for the life that he's leading you into. But you've got to take off that old life and allow that new life to come in and to flood through you. And when the old stuff starts to come back by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the authority of Jesus Christ saying, get thee behind me, Satan, you don't belong here anymore. We watch over our children and we say, get thee behind me, Satan, you don't belong here anymore. We talk to our friends and say, get thee behind me, you don't belong here anymore. The doubt, the insecurity, all those things. They have no place in our life. And sometimes we lose hope and we stop struggling. You're gonna have struggles. But he's saying, keep on struggling, watch what's gonna happen. Your freedom is at hand. Your deliverance is at hand. Your healing is at hand. Your provision is at hand. Are you going to trust me? Heaven's your home. We're walking it out. Is the hope alive in you? Are you allowing the holiness of God to be worked out in your life? You know, as it relates to backpacking, do you know what the number one reason of failure is for those who are doing these big hikes? Overpacking. Overpacking is the number one reason. When you look at the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail, that first stop that they get to, you see all these backpackers just unloading stuff, just giving it away. You want a great deal on some backpacking gear? Show up at that place. <laughs> it's like a garage sale. Because now they've just carried it for 20 to 30 miles and their backs are breaking. They're going, I don't even need this. Why do I have this? And God's speaking that to you today. He said, you don't even need it. All you need is me. What are you worried about? Do you trust I can get you there? Do you trust I can get you there? Do you trust I can get you there? Amen. If you're saying, Lord, I trust you today, would you just stand with me? If that's your prayer, just echo, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. My hope is in you. My hope is in you, oh God. I need you, God. My hope is in you. Lord, do your work in us today. Lord, for those of us, we've forgotten where our home is. Lord, remind us that this is not our home. This is, we're, we're just on a path to our eternal place of rest. 
Help us never to forget that. But Lord, on this trail, you fill us with hope that leads to the holiness of God. You're perfecting work in us. Lord, I know there are people here today, they've lost hope. Lord, I pray in this moment, as they respond, Lord, that they would lean in, they would reach out and hold on to you. The hope we find in Jesus Christ. And God, that you would speak to us. Lord, you're out to abide in us. You've called us to be holy as you are holy, and that's only as we surrender to you. Do your work in us, O oh God. Amen. As we re respond today, your listening guide has several questions in it. But some of the key ones are just, where is your home? Are you a stranger here on earth? If you are, welcome. You're part of the body of Christ. <laughs> are you a stranger or is it difficult to let go of? Ask yourself, am I holding on to the right hope? Am I out to please God? Or am I out to please others? Is my life set apart? Is it consecrated to God? Or do I struggle with the whole thought of holiness? As we respond today, I want to invite our prayer team. Our prayer team is around the side. They love to pray with you. They love it when you show up. Maybe you need to pray with a neighbor. or Maybe you just, you just want to come these steps and say, Lord, I'm laying my life down as a sign of surrender. I need you. I trust you. Let your hope be alive in me. Let your holiness be perfected in me. We have communion stations open that are the physical representation. His body that was broken, the grape juice for the blood. It's, it's a time of confession. Lord, I confess my sin. Forgive me, Lord. That's why Jesus said, as often as you eat a drink, think of me. Remember what I've done for you. Let that hope be restored. But let's respond today. Let's respond to the word of the Lord. Let's not walk out of this place the way we came in. Let's go from glory to glory, strength to strength. Amen. Let's respond to the word of the Lord today. Allow him to bring hope and healing, his holiness back in our lives.